If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. As we begin looking at, uh, I want to talk to you about a winning connection today. I'm convinced we are destined to win. We are a people who are destined to win when the dust finally settles. And we are on the winning side, but sometimes it's hard to realize that or experience that. And sometimes we don't recognize ourselves or even confess ourselves to be winners. Sometimes we, we judge ourselves our, and our, our appearance and our performance and we don't think as God thinks about us. Today I want you to understand, I want you to see through God's eyes of what He thinks about you, what He thinks about me. I want you to leave here being amazingly encouraged by what God thinks about you and how He desires to use you in an amazing way. So, a winning connection. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read there and look at the, the, the structure for a winning connection. And then I'm going to give uh, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, Peter, we're going to look at his life and how God applied this to him and how he uh, brought him to his potential. So looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That means he's given certain roles to the body of Christ that are our leadership roles, but more than that, they're equipping roles because there's a lot of different leadership roles other than these, but these are equipping roles. And we're not given these positions so that we can feel good about ourselves or think we're better than anybody else because we're not. They have a purpose. And so these are equipping roles that he gives, and look what he says. For the training of the saints in the work of ministry. Now, the word saints is all-inclusive. If you have come to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are a saint. So he's talking to you. He's talking to me. So for all of us, he's given this amazing uh, role of various equippers to help us become equipped to train that we may accomplish ministry for the kingdom. Okay? Now, that's the... Okay, now, to build up the body of Christ. Now, build it up numerically, spiritually, emotionally, theologically, okay? Build up the work of Christ <clears throat> until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's own growing into a mature man with full stature. Measured by Christ's fullness. Wow. The structure is he's given various roles in the church, the body of believers, followers of Christ, and we all come together, and if the equippers will do what they should do and the saints would respond as they should respond, there becomes a winning connection in which God is magnified, and we all reach our potential in Christ. We all get what we're supposed to get. We all do what we're supposed to be doing because that's how it works. Now, looking at that, here's what I want you to get. Paul teaches, according to you, I've got them in your notes. Paul teaches that pastors and people connect together to form a ministry team that can impact and influence the church and community for God's glory and purpose. That's what this passage is all about. That, that pastor and people come together. 
various pastors, and, and we come together. Our staff comes together with you and works with you, not because we're better than you, but because we're a part of you. And we come together to build a ministry team that has impact on each other and the influence in our very community, and we glorify God in how we reach our maturity and fulfill His purpose. That's why we're here. How does that happen, though? Because the truth is, sometimes we don't feel like we're reaching our potential. And sometimes we don't know if we'll ever reach our potential. And sometimes we struggle with things that seem to sidetrack us or get us off track or even take us steps backward. How do we get there? And how does God see us in the midst of our daily life? Well, I want to give you four things. Jesus uh, certainly models how a winning connection develops. But I've put a quote here that I want you to get from John Maxwell. It is important that the people believe in their leader... But it is more important that the leader believe in the people. You see, the truth is, I need to believe in you. And I really, really do. I want to tell you, we're an awesome church. Because God's grace works in our, in our lives. And we come together with a spirit of desire to see God do something. And that's awesome. I uh, spent a lot of time with pastors across and talked to pastors. I was at the convention in New Orleans and talked with pastors and it's amazing how many pastors don't believe in their people. They really don't. I hear them talk. And they don't believe in them. I want you to know, I really believe in you. And when I talk to other pastors, they know I believe in you. I believe God has something special for us. I believe God is not finished with us. I believe God is going to take us to the next level. I, I believe all that. I believe you're going to make the journey. What does it look like? Well, how do we get there? First, you must focus on the potential, not just the present or past. Focus on the potential, not just the present or past. As we look at one another, and we do, we look at one another, and the truth is we evaluate one another all the time. We evaluate people. Is that a 2, a 4, a 6, or a 10? We evaluate people. But God does it differently. He actually focuses on the potential, not just the present or past. We all have things in the past we wish we didn't have. Perhaps the present is not what you want to be today. Maybe it's not a good time for you today, and and you're struggling today. That doesn't mean you're going to miss your potential. And because your past may have struggles or failure doesn't mean you're going to not reach your potential. Because God has promised, according to Philippians, that he who began a good work and you will finish it. And he never lies. So I look at this and realize he's going to do something with me. So how does that work? If you go to John chapter 1, just over a couple of pages here. John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And then when Jesus saw him, he said, You're Simon. I know you. You're the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means rock. Jesus did something very incredible for this man this day. He said, let me tell you what, I see you. I see you as you are today, but that's not what you're going to be in the future. You see, I, I see you. He said something, he said, I want to give you a name. Now, if you think about Peter and all the stuff he did, him being a rock is not what would come to your mind because a rock is someone who's solid, consistent. 
uh, constant. Well, Peter wasn't any of those things. He was like shifting sand, man. He was coming and going, emotions would run off the charts. And yet, Jesus said, I'm going to call you the rock. That's what I'm calling you, the rock. Peter, the rock. Why is that? Well, certainly that moment, Peter wasn't a rock. And in the three years he spent with Jesus, there was times he obviously wasn't a rock. But Jesus said, you're going to be called the rock. And one day people are going to look at you and say, man, that guy's a rock. He's solid. He's constant. He's consistent. So what does it take? Number one, it takes to look inward. First of all, God looks on the inward part of us. We're busy evaluating appearance and performance. That's what we do. But God doesn't value that. He values the heart. He sees what we don't see in people. That's why we're supposed to be real careful how we judge, how we criticize. Because God sees something we don't see. He sees us like nobody else sees us. And so he saw in Peter the capacity, the potential to be a rock. He said, when I get through you, man, you're going to be a rock. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to go a journey together, and you're going to become a rock. I'm calling it now. I hope you realize that today you're not where you're supposed to be five years from now, or two years from now, one year from now. God's working in your life. He's trying to get you to your full potential. He's not. He sees you as you can be, as you should be, and as you will be because he's God. And so he looks inward. You remember the story about David, the shepherd boy? Well, Samuel came by and said, I, I, God's sending me to Jesse's house. Get all your sons together so I can find the next king over Israel. Well, Jesse lined up all his boys. He had the tall ones, the stout ones, the big ones, the oldest ones, and they're there. And, and Samuel goes down the line and goes, no, 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 no. And he says, hey, is there somebody I'm missing? Do you have another son? And he said, well, yeah, I got the, my little boy out there. He's a shepherd. Go get him. Go get him. You see, his father didn't even think he deserved to be in the lineup for king. Isn't that interesting? Never crossed his mind that David could be king. So many times people misjudge you. Criticize you. Sometimes they, they write you off. Don't even think about you. But you're always on God's mind. God sees you as you can be and who you are. And so in the process, they bring David in and he says, this is the guy. You see, what, what Samuel saw was not a shepherd boy. He saw the heart of a king he saw a champion that walked down the hillside and slay Goliath that's what he saw because he saw David through God's eyes guys we got to start looking through God's eyes at one another no we ain't perfect yet but we are being perfected and God's bringing us to our full potential and so he doesn't leave us behind and so you got this look inward that looks at us he looked at Peter and said Peter I see you to be a rock and then he says I want to look forward the look forward is our potential achieved will be the result of a spiritual process by the Holy Spirit. We will begin to achieve all that God wants us to achieve and go where he wants us to go by the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. He will energize us, empower us to accomplish that. And yes, we have at times had weakness and, and we have failed and we have struggled and we have doubted. We've done all those things that people do. 
Maybe there's sin in our past. And he says, but I see you as you will be. Quit looking at your past. Quit focusing on your past. Focus on your potential. Because I can do all things. Peter was hot-tempered, impulsive, fearful, an unlearned fisherman. I mean, that's, you know, we wouldn't pick Peter to do anything, okay? But Jesus picked him to be a rock. That's pretty amazing. I mean, I wouldn't have called him a rock. Never knew what the guy was going to do. Always overreacted. But Jesus said, you're going to be the rock. He saw something, not only to look in, but to look forward of what Peter would become. Jesus sees not only our actualities, he sees our potential through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Peter established the first church in Jerusalem. Peter preached at Pentecost, the first sermon at Pentecost. Peter became the foundation part of that beginning. He became an evangelist. He became an author And he also was a martyr. He ended up, Peter was a rock, just like Jesus said. Didn't matter what others said. It never does. It matters what Jesus says. What God says about you, you have amazing potential. You have unbelievable potential. I don't care whether you're young or old. God's not through with you. You say, how do you know that? Because he's got you here. When he's through with you, he won't need to leave you here. He'll get you out of here. He's not through with you. So we see this. So look at the second thing I want you to get is develop relationships by investing time and treasures in people. You see, we have not yet realized what all God can and will do in us. We've not yet realized that. None of us. We're on the journey. But I'm telling you. He's working. And the second thing, he's going to develop relationships by investing time and treasures of people. Now, automatically, when I use the word treasures, you think money. That's not your most treasurable things. Your life experiences, your spiritual gift, your godly wisdom, your uh, time, uh, and your resources are the treasures of your life. And we're told to put those into people. We are to share with one another and walk the journey together, investing in each other, developing relationships. This is what, when, when Jesus said this, look in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 18. He was walking along the sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the sea. Since they were fishermen, makes sense. He said, follow me. He told them, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. You know what Jesus said? I want to spend some time with you. I want us to develop a relationship. So I want you to follow me. I want you to walk with me and let's go have some good time together. Let me pour my life into you. Let me tell you what I know about God and heaven and eternity. Let me tell you what I know God can do. And he began to walk with these guys, his disciples, and poured his life into them. He taught them all the time. He was spending time with them. And they would do things together. They would walk through from town to town together. They would eat together. They would sleep together. They were resting together. They were, they were building a relationship. This is what God does for us. We must have a relationship with Him. It begins with a defining moment when you trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. 
when you've come to realize he died on the cross for your sins and you say, he's for me and I give my heart to him, then you begin that relationship. And then it develops because you walk with him. You spend time with him. You listen to him. And you involve yourself with other people who walk with him. And you've become a body of believers moving into their full potential for Christ, for his glory and his purpose. And so here's what we got. We do this. My, one of my favorite professors who's gone to be with the Lord. I'll never forget, I had him for three classes. Loved every one of them. Paul Atkins, he, uh, he taught me this and I've never forgotten it. Relationships are building blocks of the kingdom. You'll hear me say it often. That's true. Relationships are how we build the kingdom. Like one block on top of another. Do you know why we've done what we've done this summer? <clears throat> You're thinking the summer's, uh, summer's kind of been weird and we've done different things. Yeah, we have. We've done it on purpose. We sat down as a staff and said, we want to build relationships. We want to build connections because I think our people don't have time to do that. And so this summer we said we're going to do a, a game board night. And you come and you play games and you talk to people and you eat sandwiches and I was amazed people came and they had a good time. And they begin to talk to people they'd never talked to. Isn't that neat? Man, I had a ball talking. I, at my game night, I spent a lot of my time talking to Michael back there. Michael, he just, man, we're having a good time talking about what God can do with the future and when we're resolute. I don't ever get to do that. That was awesome. And then the next time we did the, the karaoke and ice cream thing, uh, and that was cool because people laughed at one another and had a good time. Talked to people they'd never talked to before. And then we had the uh, wiffle ball watermelon thing. And I, I mean, people played ball for two and a half hours. They were having a good time. They were talking and playing and, and people were laughing. Boy, we need to laugh. You see, and t- tonight we're going to do a work night. I love my church. Come, we got some stuff we can do in, in the bottom, getting ready for Resolute, the CLC. We got a playground. We got stuff you can plug into. Steve, holler will be here at 4 o'clock and just coming. We got something you can do. Get your son's class ready for next year. Get it ready. Clean out the closets. Throw away the clutter. But come work with people. You see, you don't need another sermon on Sunday. You need to practice the one you heard on Sunday morning. Why do you want another one? We need to spend time together. I, I mean, now, you know, we need, to, we, need to now, we need to kind of figure out how to enjoy one of those company and meet people we don't know in the body of Christ because that's how we encourage one another. That's how we get to know one another. That's what we do. There's a third thing. Pray for one another's needs. As I look at this, pray for one another's needs. Luke 22. Luke 22. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan is, has asked to sift you like wheat. That is a painful process if you're a human being, okay? I mean, they're just going to shake you, shake you, shake you, beat you up and torture you, okay? But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Do you know what Jesus just told Peter? Man, you're not perfect, but you got potential. And, and you're not going to get it right all the time. <coughs> Excuse me. 
That'll wake you up. You're not going to get it right all the time. Matter of fact, you're going to mess up. You are going to mess up. But I'm praying for you when you get straightened out. I'm praying for you. I got this covered. He said, man, Satan's going to come at you and he's going to mess you up. And you're going to struggle. You're going to have doubt. You're going to have fear. You're going to mess up. But I got you covered. I'm praying for you. Do you see that? He says, and let me tell you, when it's all done, you're going to reach your potential. Guys, do you see that? Too often we're captivated by our past and even our present, and we don't see what God sees in us. It's time we see through his eyes who we really are. We are children of the king. We're destined to win, and he has prepared for us a place of service with our, where we will, re, we will reach our potential. You say, but I've messed up. I failed on You think that surprised God? Really? We don't ever surprise God. Peter, you're going to mess up. But when you get through it, you're going to be better than you were. And you're going to be back more where I want you to be. I can use you more effectively. You see, we pray for one another. We pray for personal needs like family and friends and finance and health and relationships. Crises and decisions. We pray for ministry needs, resources and opportunities to minister, spiritual needs. You see, he said, Peter, the devil's going to try to beat you up and, and, and leave you for dead, but I'm not going to leave you there. And when you turn and when you really uh, realize you're going to be stronger than before. Guys, I want to tell you, you're going to mess up. You are. And they're not giving you license to mess up. But I'm telling you, you're going to do it just because sometimes we don't pay attention. Sometimes we are tempted and we give in and those things happen. Now, he, if we confess our sin, he's faithful just to forgive us our sin. But more importantly, he says, I'm going to get you back on track. We're going to get you marching the right way because we're destined to win. We need to know this. We are not damaged goods. I really get really irritated about this. We are not damaged goods. Had a buddy of mine uh, in the ministry went through a tough time and uh, had to go through a divorce. And uh, he was at, uh, at, a, at a conference, huge youth conference in Texas. And one of the guys came up to him afterwards because he'd shared a little bit of his story. And uh, guy went up to him and said, well, God hits a pretty good lick with a crooked stick. I just want to tell you, that's a stupid statement. Let me help you out with it. Don't ever say that to me. Don't say it to anybody else. Because my buddy said, guys, I, I'm not a crooked stick. God's got a purpose for my life. And God has got a purpose for his life. And God's blessing him. He's in an amazing ministry today. Please, please understand, if we're not careful, we, we let our, fast, our past define us. We let our struggles and our failures define us. If I'm in Christ, I'm not defined by any of that. I am seen as amazingly perfect and fulfilled in the eyes of God because of the blood of Jesus. Now, I need to live up to that. I need to apply that. I need to appropriate that. And I need to certainly get past my failure and my struggle and get on with living for Jesus. Do what I got to do to get it right. Confess, repent, get what, do what you got to do, but don't stay where you are if you're not where you're supposed to be with God. Because he's got something for you. And he's waiting for you. All right. Well, 
Sometimes you've got to be lifted up. Uh, prayer does that for us. Can I tell you, uh, last Friday's week ago, my daughter had to go in the hospital ER. She got sick. The battle she fights all the time. I didn't say anything about last Sunday because I didn't want to ruin your day, quite honestly. I just didn't want, didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to tell you about it. She was in the hospital, got released, and of course we're trying to figure out. Monday, my wife starts trying to find doctors she can see in Florida. Monday was a depressing day. But Monday morning, I said, please send out the word to my deacons and anybody else they, they had sent attachments to that please pray for my daughter. Here's what's happened. And pray that she finds a doctor. Because with what she battles, finding a doctor quickly is, is critical. And so uh, her, her doctor has been in Washington, D.C. And that's, we're like, you know, so Monday we call and it didn't work out and nothing worked out. And the doors kept closing and closing and closing. Tuesday was a long day. Nothing seemed to happen. Uh, Wednesday, we finally just called and, and waiting for calls to come back. And every call we got back was a closed door. And then uh, we called up in Washington. They said, we can't see you to August. I said, my daughter's sick now. I can't wait till August. And, and then um, a buddy of mine's on staff at a church down there. runs about 10,000 members. I called him. I said, look, you certainly have a doctor in your congregation. He said, well, I got a bunch of them. So all right. I need help. This guy, this brother went to work. So within 15 minutes, he had sent me back what, uh, uh, a website I could go to. Doctors, it was amazing of, of what he'd done in a matter of, of really about 10, 15 minutes. And was off and running. My wife got on the computer, went to websites, began to check. We found a, a doctor in Orlando. We, we called. And we said, look, my daughter's going through this, and y'all treat this, and, and, and can we see you? Oh, we'd love to see you, but we don't have any appointments. We don't have any openings to August. She said, sometimes somebody will cancel with one of the PAs, but, but we just would love to see you, but we can't do anything. That was Wednesday morning. Man, and we're sitting there going, Lord, I don't know what to do. But let me tell you what. I believe that you were praying for us. You need to understand that. I, I know that because de- many of my deacons called me back or talked to me or texted me. And many other, others did. Say, man, we're praying for you. And I believed it. Because I believe in you. I really do. She got off the phone, and 45 minutes passed. And the lady calls back, the, 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 the doctor's uh, office lady calls back and says, You're not going to believe this. Now, it's always good when they start there, isn't it? You're not going to believe this, meaning, God, you've done something. Oh, you've done something. She said, we had a cancellation for tomorrow at 2 o'clock with the main doctor, not with the PA, with the head guy. She says, that never happens. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. And it was an awesome visit. God's doing some stuff. Yeah, she's still struggling. But hey, thank you for praying. This is why I believe you guys are awesome. Are you perfect? No, but neither am I. 
but we're, we're making the journey together. And our goal is to, to reach our full potential in Christ. And we do it because of focusing on our potential and building relationships and praying for one another. So on your get acquainted card on the back of it, if you put your name on the front on the back, I want you to write down how I can pray for you this next week. What is it that's on your heart? What is the burden of your life that I can pray for you? Our staff's going to come. We're going to pray for you. Write it down now, whatever it is. It's amazing. At 8.30, we had so many turned in. I was looking them over and saying, Dear God, thank you. You get the privilege to pray for these people. I don't know what your needs are as young people, but I'm sure you have them. Write them down. As adults, what your needs are, write them down. What is the burden of your heart? The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Then let us pray. Let us pray. Pray for one another's needs. Man, that's how we get where God wants us to be. That is the winning connection. But that's not all. Never give up on believing in what God can do with us. John 21. We've talked about Peter's life. He's paid, he, he, he said, Peter, you're going to be a rock. Peter, we're going to spend some time together. Not giving up on you. I'm praying for you because you need it. Don't we all? And finally, Peter's come to the reality of how he's failed. He's messed up so much. He's embarrassed to face his Lord. He's filled with doubt and fear. They have a, Jesus meets with the disciples and they have some fish together and, and they... Peter engages with this dialogue, and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And they have, he asked him three times, and Peter says, you know I do, you know I do. And, but each time, Peter's really frustrated by it. And I want you to get this. Feed my sheep, verse 18, Jesus said, I assure you, when you were young, and you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me, follow me, follow me. Peter, you're fixing to reach your potential. Come on. Can I, can I share with you? He, he's, take, he's talking to a guy who falls in the water because he can't keep his eyes on Jesus. He, he's talking to a guy who rebukes Jesus when he talks about going to the cross. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, that's pretty hard to take. He, he's, had to, he's had to talk to a guy who falls asleep when Jesus asks him to pray with him. And then this is the same guy who denies him three times. And yet he says, I want you to feed my sheep. Now, the truth is, most of us would have fired Peter a long time ago. We'd have written him off. We'd have evaluated his performance and his appearance. We're going, dude, you don't make the grade. You can't be on my team, but not Jesus. You never give up on believing what God can do with us. Never give up. Because what he's going to do with you, I don't care what your present status is or what your past status is. It does not matter to me. What matters to me is what will you let God do with you from this day forward?
So, you know, I put some things that we hear all the time. I know I'm not all I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I, that applies. Be patient. God's not finished with me. That's a good one to remember. Though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, you can start from now and make a brand new end. How true that is. It's all about a journey. I put one of my favorite quotes in there. It is one of my, this one, this one goes on my wall. One of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It is easy to laugh at men's ideals, or it is easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It is easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time of word, of praise, or thanks, or appreciation, or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. That's what we're supposed to be like. I'm not here to tell you that you failed. We've all failed. Holy Spirit will tell you that. I'm here to tell you to get back up and go where God wants you to go. Because that's what Jesus told Peter. Man, let's get going. Bart Starr, great Hall of Fame quarterback, played for the Green Bay Packers. He was always fun to watch. As a little kid, I'd watch him play and enjoy it. I was a Packer fan back then, way back then. But uh, he's awesome. He was great. One of the best quarterbacks that has ever played the game. He had his son, uh, Bart Jr., was in junior high at this particular time, and he would come home with papers, and he would always put comments. As he would show his dad his papers. Say, he'd say, son, I believe in you. Great work. Awesome job. Live up to your potential. And he would always take a dime and, and, and tape it on the paper and say, this is a 10. Man, you're a 10. You're a 10. And so that's how he encouraged his son. On one of those uh, fateful Sunday afternoons, he, they traveled to St. Louis to play the Cardinals, and it was a disaster. Bart Starr probably had the worst game of his life. He threw three interceptions that resulted in touchdowns of the team. He, uh, he fumbled the ball. It was a horrendous time. When he left the field, he felt he was responsible for the loss. Uh, he didn't mind. He kind of admitted that. He talked about it and said he played a horrible game. He was discouraged and certainly disappointed. Long plane ride back to Green Bay. When he got to the airport, got his stuff together, went to his house, it was late, and he just kind of flipped in, went up to his bedroom, and noticed that there was a little light on, and there was a note on the dresser. As he went over there, it was from his son, and it said this, Dad, I saw you play football today on TV. I thought you played a great game. Love, Bart. And to the note, he had taped a dime symbolizing a 10. I believe you're a 10, Dad. Can I tell you? Is that all how you look at people? Please hear what I'm about to say. When God looks at you through the cross of Jesus, you are a 10. Because that's what the cross is all about. But we don't realize that yet. We have not even achieved that yet. But we will.
all about the journey, the winning connection that brings glory and honor in fulfilling God's purpose for our life.